will be some of where we're going to be today, and that will get you ready. One of the major prophets, major meaning it's longer than the 12 little ones, but Ezekiel is after Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, so in the middle of your Old Testament, chapter 36. In the summer of 1982, 33-year-old Larry Walters decided that he wanted to see his neighborhood from a new perspective. Maybe you remember that name, Larry Walters. He bought 45 weather balloons, strapped himself into a lawn chair, and friends tied on each of these helium-filled balloons, all 45. Larry took along a six-pack of beer, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which sounds like a horrible combination, and a pellet gun to shoot the balloons out one at a time when he was ready to land. So Larry, he assumed that his balloon would lift him up about 100 feet off the, off the ground. He went 15,000 feet. I'm not sure if he got frostbite up there or whatever was going on. This was a, um, above Long Beach. And the problem, not only was he 15,000 feet in the air, Larry's balloons were now in the middle of the flight path for Long Beach Airport, which is a fairly busy airport. So Larry was in trouble. So he started shooting his balloons out, you know, one at a time with his pellet gun, but he dropped his pellet gun. So he was airborne for more than two hours. When finally he was safely grounded, I'm not sure how that happened, but he was arrested, and they asked three questions. I guess the media probably asked this. I don't think the police would have asked, were you scared? They probably, they were the ones scared he was going to get hit by an airplane. But were you scared? Yes. Would you do it again? No. And of course, why? Why did you do it? And Larry Walter said, because you can't just sit there. Larry wanted something new, something different. So do you want something new this year? I don't mean, are you going to strap helium balloons to a lawn chair, especially this time of year, but what do you want new this year? Some, something different maybe to give your life a little bit more zest. Have you thought about that? Or maybe you'd like to keep things the same. Maybe you're nervous about what 2020 is going to bring. There might be some who you're just glad 2019 is over and you look back with some regret. But the problem is that regret can cripple us and keep us from really moving into the calling of God. And so what does God want us to do? And this whole idea of something new, but we as Christians ought to be kind of used to that, don't you think? Because God's constantly creating, doing new things. And let me read to you from Isaiah. And remember, the people are in distress when God is saying this to them, but our creative God is always at work. So he challenges his people, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So it's a new year. We move on from last year and we embrace the new thing that God wants to do in us as people, individuals, as well as what he wants to do with us as a church. So 2,500 years ago, the other 
two major prophets, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, proclaim newness in the midst of uncertainty. And in the midst of that struggle, God says three things to them. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. And I'm going to give you a new covenant. And we're going to look really briefly at each of those three because God wants to use those three gifts of newness to do a new beginning for us. So number one, God has given us a new heart. So Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart, God says. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Flesh in this case, often we think of flesh as something bad, something we're trying to overcome, our sin nature, but that's not what it means here. This time, the word flesh is a positive term. It's talking about our heart. It's not something just all about evil. It's also where the whole center of your being is. And so when Ezekiel writes, he's talking to a people who are defeated. They have been defeated by the kingdom of Babylon. So we're somewhere around 600 B.C. at this point. And so they've been defeated. They are a vassal state. And it won't be long before Babylon's going to come in and finish them off when they rebel. And so they're very uncertain. They've kind of lost their independence to a degree because they're subservient to Babylon. And so they're very low on hope. But God says, I'll give you a new heart. And the heart is more than just where you feel things. It's, this is like the center of, where, of your thoughts, of your attitudes, of your choices that you make. The heart is the center of your being. And of course, we know anatomically it's really in our brain somewhere. But metaphorically, the Bible speaks as the heart being your inner person the center of all these different things, not just emotions. You love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. So in other words, your entire being. So he, we get a new heart. Centuries earlier, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 20, verse 5, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep waters, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So much Solomon is saying, goes on below the surface in our heart. Things we're not even aware of. Our unconscious and subconscious self are also in that heart. And often we don't really know. But, you know, we figure that stuff hurts. It's painful. There's that regret stuff. So I think I'll just avoid it. I don't want to think about it. If I don't think about it, it can't hurt me and I'll move on. But would that it did work that way. It doesn't. Solomon says, it takes a man of understanding to draw those things out. And when we bury them and push them down, God doesn't get the opportunity to come in and reveal this stuff to us and heal it. Not saying we live by it or are controlled by it, which some people are, but those issues, excuse me, issues in our heart from long ago can make a big influence and we have to shine the light of God's truth on them and let God heal them and not avoid them. So does your heart cling to old issues? As you think about 2020, are there some leftovers that are bothering you, not just from 2019, but even decades ago? Does your heart struggle to truly and fully love God the way you want to? Does your heart need healing? So these are some beginning things about the heart for us to ask ourselves in this coming year. So the prophet Jeremiah 
would also say this in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, that's kind of a downer. But it's saying the same thing Solomon did, only it's just saying, look, there's also this part of your heart that no matter how hard you try, there's just stuff that comes out of it that you don't want to come out of it, right? Just like Romans 7. Paul talks about that in an entire chapter. So why do we do the things we do? Years ago, there was, and I guess there still is, a talk show radio host, an author named Dr. Laura Schlesinger, somewhere on the radio. And she wrote this very, very popular book, 10 Stupid Things Women Do to Mess Up Their Lives. Okay, guys, take your elbow out of your wife's side. Because these are often smart, intelligent, rational people, she says, but their hearts lead them into bad choices to do things they really don't want to do or not do some things they do want to do. And guys, look, the same's true for us. We all fall prey to doing stupid things. And then we look back and go, what was I thinking? Well, because our heart needs God's touch. We make bad choices. So the Bible says, without God, our heart is crooked. Something's wrong. Something needs to change. And God comes along and says, I will give you a new heart. I'll take out that old wounded heart of stone that's been hardened by all the pains and the hurts. And God, only God can really change your heart and make it new. Because we're saying that, right? Change my heart, oh God. And so we don't, Gretchen doesn't just pick those songs randomly. She picks them on purpose. Change my heart, God. Only you can do that. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so it's taking that theme of a new heart and saying, I'm going to remake you from the inside out. I'm going to keep you from being controlled by those sin impulses if you'll yield to me. So how is your heart this new year as we begin? Are you feeling the struggle between wanting to do good, yet finding a pull toward thoughts and choices that you don't really understand? Does the past define you? Do you think, you know, well, this, this was said to me or done to me, and that defines who I am? Is that true about you? Or are you a new creation no matter what's happened and what you've done in your past? Because... This year, God wants to continue to shape our hearts in new ways this year. So how is your heart? Because God says, I got a new one in there if you're a follower, so let me work on it. So number two gift that God gives us for our new beginning, he gives us a new spirit. Ezekiel 36, 27 continues, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So back when Ezekiel wrote these words, nobody in their wildest imaginations would ever think God would come and live in a heart. They, of course, lived in the temple at Jerusalem. How can the infinite creator of an infinite universe, they didn't necessarily know it was infinite, but they knew it was big. How could he live inside a person? Well, back when Ezekiel wrote those words, when we couldn't imagine that, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 
he would say in Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In the New Testament, God comes to dwell in his people. So it's a truly new day with this new spirit. No longer do you have to go to the temple and worship God. And now you are the temple. We talked about that in our carol series last month. And this has huge implications for our Christian walk. If God lives in you and he's not up there just saying, here's the rules, follow him. He lives in you to empower you and help you. Then it's a new day. So what does it mean for God spirit to live in us that you know the word in the old testament for spirit can mean breath or wind the spirit is now the wind beneath our wings the breath of god within us the holy spirit is our our inner power and really your spiritual life is dependent on cooperating with the work of the holy spirit in your heart so how does that work uh, i want to give you an illustration of sailboating as we look at what does it mean for God's spirit to live inside of us. A few summers ago, Karen and I took a sailing lesson. We went to Orcas Island to the west of here. And, you know, I had always wanted to sail, but I never understood how in the world can a sailboat go into the wind and make progress. And if the wind's blowing this way, it seems like I'm not going to go this way or this way. Or How does that work? And so that was one of my first questions in sailing. And so the guy said, well, it's, it's physics. It's a physics lesson because you ever wonder why a sail is curved? If you're not a physicist. Because it's the curve of the sail with the, the, the wind comes, goes over the curve, but blows straight this way, and it makes a motion that way. And so the wind's coming, but the wind comes over that sail on the curve, it pushes it that way because of the curve. And you wonder, wow, that's kind of wild, but they sort of figured that out in making airplane wings because the same thing happens. The air has to pass over the curve of the wing and it lifts it up. And so imagine you can go into the wind because this wind, there's a force that you can shape it to take you even in the, in the face of opposing winds to the contrary. And so that's a great picture of the spirit no matter how life is blowing in your face, pushing you back, the Holy Spirit helps bend that wind to push you the direction that he wants to go. And so he's literally the wind in our spiritual sails, right? Because even in opposition and difficult times and contrary life winds, the Holy Spirit can make progress in your life. And he is the wind in our sails to move us in any circumstance where he wants us to go. So what does it mean for you, for God's spirit to live inside you? And what, if you look at it, if the spirit lives inside you, do, can you look and say, here's the difference it makes in my life and has made in my life? Can you look and see in this past year what God has done in your own heart? Because we all often tend as humans to think about, well, the way that I'm going to grow is perform better. And I'm not saying you shouldn't read your Bible and be nice and kind and do the fruit of the Spirit. But ultimately, if we're trying to do it in our own power, it's not going to work, is it? So what difference does the Holy Spirit make to come in and say, you really don't have to perform for my grace? It isn't how determined you are, and I'm going to push through this no matter what. And you, you might. But if you really want your heart to change and be shaped and developed and not just you pushing harder, 
then it's a cooperating with the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing and directing you. That spirit that guides you. What spirit guides your life the past year, the past 10 years? The spirit of the world, the spirit of God. Do you feel the breath of God in you? Be honest with yourself. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you look at your spiritual life, do you feel the breath of God in you spiritually? The Holy Spirit whispering in your ear, guiding you, that wind beneath your wings. So that's a new spirit. We have a new heart, a new spirit, and with this new heart and new spirit, we're ready for God's third gift to create that new beginning. Number three, God has given us a new covenant. Now Israel, God wanted Israel to start over. We are about, like I said, 600 BC. They have not been following God. There were hardly any good kings in Judah. Israel, the northern 10 tribes have been swept away a hundred or more years earlier. Many of them fled into Judah. So this is now Israel, Judah, God's people are just in the two tribal area. But they have also, Judah, hasn't the southern kingdom, hasn't followed God, and so it's causing lots of consequences for them. Things are not good. I've already mentioned they're a vassal state of Babylon. And in only a few more years, Babylon will sweep in when Judah rebels and take them completely away, destroy the temple. That huge Solomon's temple will be will be raised, not one stone stands on another kind of thing, burned, all of the treasures carted away, and that's right on their horizon. So I want you to imagine in this context where you're a vassal of another country, and God knows in a few years you're going to be fully defeated and exiled off to Babylon and other countries, and you won't even live in your homeland pretty soon, they're going to be pretty discouraged. And so imagine saying to them, there's this new heart that I'm going to give you. There's a new um, spirit that's going to come to you. And I'm going to make a whole new covenant. And this was a big deal to Israel. God's name, Yahweh, meant the covenant God the, who says I am has made a covenant with them. And that was the covenant with Moses. Well, it really went back to Abraham. Then Moses gave some stipulations to get God's blessing or to get God's discipline and so they're under God's discipline because they haven't followed. And they need a fresh start. But God comes along with these powerful words of encouragement, with these images of new hearts and new spirit. And now we're seeing a new covenant. Let's look at Jeremiah 31, verse 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Again, that's a big deal. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, a covenant is a committed relationship. The covenant with Abraham was unconditional, meant even when you mess up, God still unconditionally loves you. The covenant with Moses was not unconditional. If you follow the law, I will bless you. If you don't, then I will discipline you or curse you. And and that's exactly what happened? But now God's saying a new covenant, and this is going to go back to the Abraham covenant, and it's going to say, I can give you a fresh start. Even when you've messed up, and they're still messing up at this point, The if you read Ezekiel, the whole book in the early chapters, he's saying, I'm going to send you to a stubborn and obstinate people whose foreheads are like flint, they're hard-headed, and you're going to 
sit among scorpions and thorns, but I want you to tell them anyway. So, you know, the people's hearts are not very good. They need all this stuff. And God's given it to them even though they don't deserve it. They're not acting right, but God says, I'm still going to give you a different relationship. I want a new relationship with you, God's saying. I am not a distant and impersonal, demanding and angry God. I want you to understand my ways in your heart. In the New Testament, that new spirit will come and whisper into that new heart and guide us. So, just like the time back then, I think we can all agree our world is broken. The world is not following after God. There are places that little pockets of remnants all over the world that are following after God. But our world needs a fresh start. We are also working on a new start for Chihuahua Evangelical Free Church as we look for a new pastor. So are you looking forward to this new era? Now, I asked you this back in June, but I'm going to ask here. We are the first Sunday of January. Are you looking forward to what God is going to do in this church in the coming months and years? Are you looking with hope, anticipation? It might be different, but God is going to do a new thing that's going to be exciting and thrilling for your heart if you follow him. And Jesus himself, he identified himself with this new covenant. Today we'll be taking communion. And when Jesus said these words, and he said them at that last supper, He was using language from Jeremiah 31. He was using new covenant language. So let me read you 1 Corinthians 11, 25. In the same way, after supper, he, that's Jesus, took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant. There's our phrase. In my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus is looking back to this new thing God had promised to do centuries earlier when Jeremiah and Ezekiel both were talking about having a new heart, a new spirit, and now a new covenant, which is going to, I'm going to renew the Abrahamic covenant, and I will come and live inside you. And it would be a radical change. No longer would they need or do we need a priest. We don't go outside and sacrifice a blood, an animal, and the blood of that animal for our sins as a congregation. You don't have to do it individually. Because Jesus is that final sacrifice. That's what communion remembers. That's the new covenant that God has given us. We have a complete relationship and access to God through Jesus. Do you want a better relationship with God in this coming year? God wants to remind you of this new covenant. He wants that new beginning because you're looking at these three gifts he wants, this covenant relationship. You have a new heart and a new spirit so you can have a new relationship with God that keeps going on. And why? Why do we need that new heart and that new spirit and that new relationship with God is so we can go out and take it to other people. you got to know it in you before you can really share it with other people. If you're doubting whether God really loves you and if he's good, it's going to be hard for you to show that to other people. So when their hearts are struggling, when the wrong spirit's guiding them, we bring our imperfect spirit, not the spirit imperfect, our own spirit, cooperating is imperfect. Our heart is imperfect, but it's growing. Amen? So what relationship is the center of your life? If God says, I want the covenant relationship, 
to be the center of all you do. Is that true? Or is our most important relationship what we have with ourself? I take care of number one. If I don't look out for me, nobody else will kind of attitude. How about the most important center of your life is a relationship with another person? Your spouse, your children, your parents. What's the most important center of your life? How about your career, your schooling? Your possessions can even take that center place, can't they? Your relationship with leisure, how you use your time. Or God says, my relationship with you can be the center. So any changes that we think we want to make, any of the resolutions that that we are still making and keeping even five days into the new year, we need to do it through the power of God, don't we? Because we can't, our flesh, we might sustain it for a while, but eventually we will will fail at it. But more importantly, our character and heart don't get shaped as much if we're not cooperating with God. A final story, a guy named Dr. Samuel Weinstein. He's a heart surgeon for children in a leading hospital in the East Coast, and he traveled to El Salvador on a medical mission trip to provide life-saving operations for children of poverty. Eight-year-old Francisco Fernandez needed a complicated heart operation, and little Francisco's surgery was going well, but he started to bleed, and they couldn't stop the bleeding. They ran out of all of his blood type. It was a rare B-negative blood type present in only 2% of the population. And that would be the 2% who know what their blood type is, which most in El Salvador would not know their blood type. Dr. Weinstein, the chief surgeon, was the only person in the area who had the blood type that this little boy needed. But he's the surgeon. But he has the blood. How is that going to work? So this prestigious doctor from one of the most advanced hospitals in the world set aside his scalpel, took off his gloves, lay down on a table in the corner of the operating room and gave his own blood. After he had given blood, he drank some bottled water, ate a cookie, and 20 minutes afterwards, he stepped away from that table and rejoined his colleagues to finish the surgery. And while he watches his own blood circulating through the arteries of this young boy, this eight-year-old Fernandez, first Francisco, he gives him the operation successful to heal his heart. He gave Francisco a new heart, a new start, a new beginning. God says, I will give you a new heart. That's a new inner person that changes from the inside out. God says, I'll give you a new spirit. A new spirit is the inner power for that heart. And God says, I'll make a new covenant with you. That's a new relationship where in Christ all things are made new. You're a new creature. You don't have to be controlled by the past. So my hope for you, for me, at the beginning of this new year is that you will use these gifts of God, a new heart, a new spirit, a new covenant, to make a new beginning. Let's pray. Lord, change is so hard, and we as humans have such hard times realizing how to live by grace with the Spirit. We want to earn things, and we want to 
participate and think if I behave better, you'll give me more of your spirit. But you have said, I've given you more than you can imagine. It doesn't work that way. Just cooperate with me. Live the, the spiritual life. Walk the spiritual walk with me. Don't just do it and tag, let me tag along, but do it through my power. Lord, help us to live out of that new heart because we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit, that new spirit that only came to live inside people when Jesus came. And Lord, help us to remember that new covenant that God offers us so that we can have the relationship with you as the basis of our life and our choices, our attitudes, that you will continue shaping us as people and as a church so that the others around Stevens County can look and say the Spirit of God is there and that their hearts will be hungering for something more in their life because they've been around us, Lord. Not because we're perfect or better, but we just have you reaching through us to those people. Give us that vision for 2020. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite the deacons to come on up, and we're going to be serving communion. Yeah, we're going to sing a song first. I can never get the order right. But deacons, get ready, and uh, we'll be coming up and doing that, and then uh, we'll distribute the elements. And just as you are singing this song, I want to challenge you. Communion is a, this is an open communion in our congregation, open to anyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. In other words, you have realized, I can't earn my way to God. I have placed my trust for my life into Jesus Christ, who came as a little baby but grew to be a man that would die for us, for our sins. And when you've accepted that, it doesn't matter if you've ever been to Chewila E-Free Church before. You're invited to participate, and we'll distribute those elements and take them together in a couple of minutes.